Welcome to Launch Your Practice, the show that helps therapists build a thriving private practice. I'm your host, Megan Hamilton, and each week I'll be sharing insights and strategies to help you grow your business and achieve financial success. Running a business is not something that we're taught in school, so I've created this podcast to help you learn and avoid some of the sidesteps and mistakes I have made to help you build a profitable private practice. So if you're ready to transform your business, join me on this journey to building a profitable private practice. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hi, my friends. Welcome to Launch Your Practice. It's Megan here. I'm really excited to meet and uh, welcome David Sasant to the podcast today. Welcome, David. Thank you, Megan, for having me. It was a long journey for us to sit down and have this conversation, but I've been truly looking forward to it for so many reasons. So I'm so glad you're here. As uh, usual, I would love for you to speak a little bit about who you are and introduce yourself to the listeners today. Yeah, sure thing. So my name is David. I just recently graduated back in May from Yorkville University's Master of Arts Counseling Psychology program. Congratulations, Uh, by the way. Thank you. I'm currently a registered psychotherapist qualifying in Ontario. Mm -hmm. Uh, A little bit more background about me. I am a lawyer. I got called to the bar of Ontario back in 2016. And I'm sure we'll talk about my journey as far as... I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited for that part. Yeah. You know, how we got here. But, you know, what my day looks like these days, Monday to Friday, is I have my legal work, my legal job that I do Monday to Friday, 40, 45 hours a week. And then I work with clients in the evenings. So that's kind of just what my life looks like. Wow. That that sounds really full. Um, (laughs) Bursting at the seams. Before we had this conversation, I I knew you were still practicing law. I Mm -hmm. wasn't aware that that was like your Monday to Friday and then providing counseling on top of that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say that I'm practicing law per se. It's more Mm -hmm. like legal analysis. Okay. Uh, You know, just really a nutshell description of what I actually do Monday to Friday is. I work essentially in-house for a very large international private practice firm. Mm -hmm. And my role, I'm on a team of people that do this, is I serve almost as like an air traffic controller as far as what work we're allowed to take on in the firm, who we're allowed to act against, Mm. um, you know, just being mindful of the firm acts for so many clients and Mm -hmm. against so many people and entities in Canada and all over the world. And so if we act against a client that we act for in, you know, somewhere else, you know, that can get us into trouble. If we we act against a a client we act for here, that can get us into trouble. So my work is generally designed to, you know, do that analysis and to do what we can to protect the firm in that way. That's cool. That's really neat. Okay. Well, that does provide a bit of a different context as to what you're putting out Monday to Friday and then kind of fitting in counseling in addition. So because you're in Ontario, registered psychotherapist qualifying means that you're in the final stretch of the program or the or the licensing and registration component. And so you have to complete how many hours then to write the exam? How does that work? Oh, I should know, Megan. I should know. Like, like uh, a couple hundred hours? Like, yeah. is that 
Okay. It's in the hundreds. Yeah. And I, I, every now and again, I have to go back to the, to the college's website, the college of registered psychotherapists of Ontario website. Uh, it's in the hundreds for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a certain threshold of supervision hours. And then of course, there's the licensing exams that, that we need to write and pass. And then, and then at that point I can drop the qualifying from, you know, the registered okay. psychotherapist title and, and away I go. I'm so curious and I'm sure listeners are curious too. Like, how is it that you decided to pursue this second career? Like, mm. how did that come about? Yeah, I, it's really complicated. <laughs> so, <laughs> but let's, but I'll distill it down. You know, I, I'll take it back to my undergraduate degree. Actually, I, I graduated with, uh, with a BA majoring in psychology and minoring in business. And once I graduated from that program, I had been acting recreationally throughout my life, acting in theater, acting in, you know, every now and again, some film and TV. And I graduated from my, from my undergraduate degree at McMaster. Mm -hmm. I kind of fell back in love with the acting bug. And so for a number of years, I was working in bars and restaurants or sales jobs or, or whatever it was, so that I'd be able to audition for things when I had the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for about four years. And at that point decided, you know what, I think I'm ready to, to, to embark on the next chapter of my life. It's kind of like, okay, well, what's that going to be? Is it going to be my MBA? Is it going to be a law degree? Like, I, I had no idea. And I think truly I ended up picking law school because I didn't have to write the GMAT, which was MBA. I didn't want to do the math. I wrote the LSAT and failed it a few times, got into law school after a year of unsuccessfully applying right. and went to law school just feeling like, well, why, why not? not? Yeah. yeah. You know, and went to law school, graduated from law school, practiced in litigation for about five years. And, you know, I just felt like it you know, we could say what we want about litigation. Some people really thrive in that arena. And, you know, people like me, it just didn't really conform to my personality structure. And I wasn't particularly invested in the work I was doing emotionally. And I'm the kind of person that feels like I want to be invested emotionally in the work I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I had a, a really meaningful conversation with my dad one one day who looked at me and said you are too young to hate what you do wow and that resonated with me and it wasn't long after that where i started to think about okay what about the legal profession do i enjoy what am i getting fulfillment from mm -hmm. and there's a, a process in the legal proceeding that can last years and years but there's one process called mediation where depending on certain types of work and certain types of files um, the parties need to go to mediation and that was my opportunity to sit down with my client but also with the other side you know their lawyer would be there but to sit down with them and to connect with them more on a personal, meaningful level mm. and to discuss the risks of moving forward, you know, how things might proceed from there. And I found that that's where I found the most success was in connecting meaningfully 
with the people involved in the lawsuit and not just the gatekeepers and the lawyers. And there was something there for me. It was my favorite part of the work. And I had to ask myself why and what it was. And then fast forward a little bit, I started working with a career counselor who specialized in working with lawyers specifically. So, you know, tells us that there's a lot of lawyers who are trying to figure out their next steps. Yeah. Maybe it was after our first session where I decided, okay, the mental health avenue is where I'm going. And and the rest kind of happened very quickly. I love that story for so many reasons. I mean, first of all, having a parent or someone of an older generation, like really give you permission to be curious about something else is like monumental, right? Like I guess for better or worse, sometimes people are like, well, just stick it out, see how it goes. Like, well, you know, you've worked so hard to get here. It must just be like a, a temporary thing and hang in there and I mean, it's such a gift to be given that invitation to consider something else. Like that must have felt so amazing. It was, I mean, it was amazing in retrospect. In the the moment, it was quite scary. Because it's kind of like, well, that's when I, you know, I kind of faced the idea that I'm really unhappy. And, you know, my colleagues were always lovely. And, you know, it was it it wasn't really about the people. It was more of an existential thing. Mm -hmm. And um, in the moment when my dad said that to me, it was a little jarring because I knew he was right. Yeah. So then it was kind of like, well, I, I really have some you know, mental, cognitive, emotional, spiritual work to do. It's like, well, what am I going to do next? And, you know, it was a lot of soul searching, a lot of telephone calls with people who were lawyers and maybe now working adjacent to the profession. And, you know, and so I connected with this wonderful career counselor and that's what happened. That's amazing. I, had some career shifts in my life, but I feel like I was working for government as a therapist and had a real moment is somewhat similar to yours and realizing, oh shit, this is actually not where I'm meant to be. Yeah. And it, it was overwhelming for me as well. And you're, you're right in retrospect, you're like, wow, what a beautiful experience or how lucky we are to have realized that early on versus, you know, being in a position or a role where, where we're just increasingly unhappy year after year after year and unfulfilled. So, yeah, I, I, I want to note though, that, you know, I was able to make that shift in large part due to a certain element of privilege, you mm-hmm. know, that thank goodness, you know, I wasn't massively in debt, for example, that I didn't need the increased, almost the increased guarantee of income that came with being a litigator. Mm -hmm. And um, that I had the privilege of choice. And I had the privilege of making that decision that if I am going to take a step back from this, you know, can I? And I'm very grateful that that I was able to. You're right. You're very right on that. And I think an important distinction. I'm curious if you're like, now that you are a practicing, you know, qualifying psychotherapist, like, 
You talked about lawyers doing other work adjacent to law or litigation or those kinds of things. Like how has that career informed your current practice or shaped, or is there some overlap there or kind of like, are you doing adjacent work in your own practice now? Like, tell me more about that. In my therapy practice or in my. Yeah. Like how does your identity as a lawyer or your role like show up? as a therapist and in the work you do or some of the populations you serve? That's such a cool question. Um, <laughs> in a number of ways, I would imagine, you know, we're, we're trained as lawyers to issue spot, you know, to, to treat certain issues as red herrings and really get down to, okay, is this the issue or is this a manifestation of the issue? Is this an issue or is, or is this a symptom? You know, what is what is creating all of these other things that may be red herrings? Mm. And, and so as lawyers, we're, we're trained to find essentially ground zero of the issue and, and build from there because that's where everything starts. And I treat many, if not most, or all of my sessions in that same way. You know, what is a symptom? What is a manifestation of the underlying issue? And what's the underlying issue? And oftentimes I find clients will come to therapy thinking that there is one particular thing that's really the cause of it all. Mm -hmm. And what we'll realize is, no, it's how the underlying issue shows up today, right? But it's something maybe a little bit more abstract. It's something a little deeper. And this is how it's making itself apparent to us in this stage of our life, mm-hmm. but it's something else. And so there's, there's that. It shows up for me that way. It also shows up for me in my ability to relate to different types of populations in the sense that where we would bond is in whether it's in the anxiety realm or in the depressive symptoms realm, or in the existential issues realm, you know, or in the identity realm, who am I? You know, what do I want? What do I even value? I don't remember, you know, and talking about how we're often encouraged to forget who we are in favor of kind of just falling in. And Mm -hmm. so we can connect in, in so many of those areas because, you know, I've, I've been there. So how are you going to continue to practice law? Like how, how does the progression of, you know, these qualifying hours and law, like, are they going to continue to intersect is, Mm -hmm. is, is, are you going to wear both hats? Like what's your vision for, you know, the months to come as, as the, as this unfolds? Yeah. Great question. So, you know, there are different avenues that that a person can can take this, right? Right now, I'm at a wonderful firm that knows that I work with clients, that knows that I graduated from, from this program. And so there's the there's potentially an opportunity, you know, to to intersect mental health with the legal profession at the office and work for the firm in that capacity. Wow, that's really neat. You know, I'd like to think, you know, and you know, they're they're certainly quite progressive in that way. And then there's the opportunity, who knows, down the line to, you know, to dive fully into private practice and to grow and cultivate a clinic, 
And so that's certainly an option there as well. Um, but right now, I, I don't have any plans to leave the firm I'm at. But mm-hmm. I also don't have any plans to stop working with clients because it truly is my favorite thing. Uh, and what I'll say is that I'll work at the firm for eight, nine hours a day. And if I don't work with clients in the evening, I am more drained and tired at the end of the day than if I work that eight, nine hour day and then have two or three clients, I'm brought back to life. I know. I know that feeling, you know, that, and that's such a beautiful feeling like that energy from doing such meaningful work. How do I feel this much energy when the work we're doing sitting with clients is like, really hard work. Like how am I outputting and receiving and having this exchange? And yet I feel so alive at the end of the day. It's incredible. It's just really that ability to connect meaningfully with others in a way that expresses your authenticity. Mm -hmm. And we don't have enough of that. And I'm so grateful that I get to have these conversations every day. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such an honor. I have another unique question for you. And I I don't know if you know the answer to this, but what's been like the reaction from the law community or your peers in in your your nine to five profession, so to speak, around you, like taking another program and starting an additional career path? Like what? How did how did that land for your colleagues? And that must have been like, a bit surprising for some, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, there's more and more of it happening now. Mm -hmm. Like transitions after. It's not totally unheard of, but it still piques a lot of curiosity, both in, in people within the profession who are very happy with what they do, but, but also particularly those in the profession who are very unhappy. Mm. Um, And you know, there will be people who reach out and they just want to, they just want to talk about the journey. They want to talk about, you know, where I was, where I'm at, my decision making process in making that change. I would say the prevailing emotion would be curiosity. Never any, you know, at least not that I'm picking up, never any negative judgment. You know, it's either, wow, that's, that's really, that's really cool. Good for you. Or it's more of like, Oh my gosh, how did how did that happen? <laughs> you know, but but never really anything negative. I mean, we make certain decisions for ourselves at certain parts in our lives when maybe we haven't really made the decision to live authentically at that point. And, mm-hmm. you know, as far as I know, we're only here one time. If that's the case, and you know, then I have to live like it. Yeah, what you're saying really resonates. When I was uh, working with government and getting home and, you know, I had what many people really want. And I thought I wanted that too. And, you know, realizing at 5pm, I'd have already put my pajamas on and I'd be kind of sitting on the couch, completely drained from my day and not happy. Yeah, it it life's too short to stay somewhere that doesn't make you feel energized and, you know, doesn't fill your cup and make you excited to do that again the next day. And that's yeah. that's I think why I've just really appreciated your story is it's really inspirational to people who are 
doing something that maybe they're not completely unhappy with, but just not fulfilled or it doesn't fit entirely the best or in the way that does serve them as a career path and and to recognize that we can make changes and do other things than we thought we wanted to do. A metaphor I use with my clients quite a bit when we talk about living authentically is, you know, the the toy for toddlers with where it's kind of like a structure with different holes in the form of different shapes. And then you have the corresponding, you know, item that you put yeah. in. Yeah. You know, if you're taking a square block and trying to push it through a circular hole and you push and push and push, well, either the structure or the item is going to crack and break. And when we push similarly parts of ourselves down in a way in an effort to, I don't know, conform to another structure of expectation and we push parts of ourselves away, I mean, that's generally where a lot of kind of neuroses come bubbling up to the surface a little bit. But also, I I, I feel for me, again, the need to note that fulfillment you know, conversations about professional fulfillment and things like that, there certainly is an element of privilege to that. And, you know, not everybody does have the opportunity to, to make that shift. Um, And so, again, I can only express gratitude for Mm -hmm. being able to have this conversation and say, well, what happens if I find that I can't see my future 20 years down the line, because it's really not who I am? Mm. You know, I'm, yeah, anyway. What would you say to people who maybe are considering some type of shift, whether it be small or, or retraining or, you know, depending on circumstances, of course, you're right. Not, we don't all have the opportunity to make such shifts in our lives, but you know, the, the idea that in some way we can make some even small changes or shifts, like what would you want listeners to hear or, or notice or be, be curious about themselves in order to have something be more fulfilling to them yeah. or start, start that conversation around being curious. Mm. It really is about express curiosity with the self, you know, to start asking questions. Okay. Well, what am I feeling, you know, negatively speaking, what am I feeling about this work that I do? Let's specify that, you know, is it due to the is it due to the work or is it due to other areas of my life mm. where maybe i don't need to make a shift if it's work related okay what do i value you know from a lifestyle standpoint what do i value you know from uh, a work standpoint what is the work i really want to be doing you know questions like that so that we can determine whether a change is actually necessary from a professional standpoint or not and fast forward if we determine that this is a work issue then we start asking the positive questions you know as far as where i want to be what do i want to be doing who do i want to be working with what kind of hours do i want to be working you know what is my compensation floor those types of questions. And once we have a general idea of those types of questions, I find the logistics to be the easiest part. Okay, how am I actually going to make this change? We're problem solvers by nature, we can figure that out. It's more of the intangible, abstract, existential questions that should come to light before we make 
a move like that? Yeah, the hard ones, the hard concepts to to navigate and and where many people do seek, you know, support professionally, career counselors, therapists, people who specialize in in some of that, those navigating some of those bigger questions. Where can people find you, David, if they want to work with you or have questions? I'm on LinkedIn. I was on LinkedIn posting about mental health really like five days a week. And I've since kind of scaled back since I've graduated from the program, since I started working with more clients, but they can find me on LinkedIn, David Sazant, last name is S-A-Z-A-N-T. I'm starting an Instagram kind of thing where I can just give quick little you know, quick little tidbits, nuggets. You know, um, yeah. little nuggets, you know, to carry throughout the day, but there's literally no content on there right now. And my fiance is encouraging me regularly, put video content out, do it, do it, do it, do it. So that handle is DS, my initials, DS therapist. LinkedIn would probably be the best place. Okay, great. We'll include all those links in the show notes because I mean, your story is great and inspirational. And and I think people are, people will want to connect with you and ask you questions or follow up and, and potentially even want to work with you. And I think it just gives us ideas. And, and I think like the overall theme of curiosity and well, what, what can I do or what can I dream about or what can I take steps to achieve? And this concept of fulfillment is amazing. So I'm, I really am grateful for you taking the time to be on the podcast today. And as I mentioned, people will find your information in the show notes and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I should also note quickly that there are two Eight. clinics that I'm currently at. One of them is called Advanced Health, and the other is called Better Days Counseling and Psychotherapy. That's virtual therapy that I provide, and I work with both clinics regularly. And Beautiful. so people can find me on those websites as well. Right. And those are both based in Ontario, Canada as well, David? They are, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. We'll include all that information in the show notes, and people will have lots of avenues to reach out. Thank you, Megan. It was it was really, really wonderful to to chat. Thank you. It was wonderful to finally connect, David. That's it for this episode of Launch Your Practice. I hope you found the information valuable and actionable. Remember, building a profitable private practice takes time, effort, and persistence. But with the right mindset and strategies, you can achieve your goals and make a real impact on the lives of your clients. If you have enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you have a moment, I would be so appreciative if you took some time to leave me a review. Your feedback helps me improve and reach more people just like you. If you have any feedback or future topic suggestions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Launch Your Practice. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for tuning in to Launch Your Practice. Until next time, keep building your dream private practice and remember to take care of yourself along the way.